Hello, Dr. Raj Bans. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. Good morning. Have, <laughs> right. have you had your breakfast? Yep. He's Fantastic. an early riser. He, I know. Moses is toasty, right? Okay, I, anyway. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. the mother in me that wants to know. Okay, <laughs> let's get on to our first article. New research out of Turkey finds more than half of children with lupus present with some type of blood disorder. Among the children assessed in the study, anemia, a condition characterized by low levels of healthy red blood cells, was most commonly observed, followed by leukopenia, low levels of white blood cells, and thrombocytopenia, low platelet count. Dr. Rajbans, firstly, Let's talk about what lupus is and how someone contracts or gets it. It's an autoimmune disorder. So it's what they call it is systemic lupus erythematosus. So that's a big name, but it's one of the many autoimmune disorders that we have in the body. Uh, I think it's quite common here among uh, especially females, especially the younger one between 20 to 30 years of age or 40 years of age, are more prone to this lupus uh, erythematosus. And like the word says, it's systemic. So this disease can affect anything. could be just cutaneous, where it just affects your skin, where it gets what they call a mala rash on the face, like rashes on the hands. It can affect the joints, like a joint pains. You can get fever. But it can be anywhere, it can affect the brain, the lungs, the kidneys, the liver, anything. And one of the things it can affect is also the blood cells. But what's the correlation between it though? I mean like what, that it causes a disorder. Yeah, I mean basically this attacks the cells. It's autoimmune means it attacks your own body's uh, wow. cells. So if you attack the blood cells, then you get things like your blood, you know, you get anemia. Your red blood cells will drop, your white blood cells will drop, your platelets will drop. So these are all the things that will occur. They call it, you know, anemia, leukopenia, thrombocytopenia. So these are all the different things that can happen with lupus. It's just basically a disease that's autoimmune. That means your own cells attack your own body. So can you get over it? Is that is it healable? I mean, we there are medications that can control it, but most of the time it's lifelong. The dangerous ones are the ones that affect the lung and the kidney. Uh, some of these people actually go into kidney failure, need to go on dialysis, and sometimes the lung can be quite serious. Yeah, it's quite interesting because a, a good friend of mine actually uh, found out um, that it was lupus, but before that, the diagnosis was rheumatoid or just arthritis and, you know, um, lived with this for years, just with joint pain and everything until the platelets and everything started to show that there was something else going on and then the tests were done and then, you know, the diagnosis of lupus came about. Yeah, so actually in the beginning, it can be mistaken for other type of arthritis, especially if it just affects the skin and the joints. So I think it's just like, you know, one of those rheumatoid or what? Because uh, lupus is a bit more serious than rheumatoid because you have can affect any organ. Right, this next article is about the pranic diet. Now, pranic foods comprise the pranic diet, an eating pattern that categorizes foods based on how they supposedly affect your vital energy or prana, which is a Sanskrit word for life or breath. Now, according to the Hindu belief system, prana is your life force or vital energy similar to chi. Positive pranic foods uh, are those that generally are mild tasting and are thought to rekindle one's life forces. Mm. Now, if mild tasting food is good for our life force what does it say about you know eating spices or, or chili peppers you know aren't they are they not good for you because you know i love chili <laughs> so if you look at it it just uh, depends on uh, how you know there's so many different type of diets out there yeah you know pranic diet and there's of course the yogi diet and of course there are many many other diets out there but basically if you look at it uh, you know pranic diet talks of Foods, you know, fruits and vegetables, especially fresh vegetables, beans, lentils, some honey, some, you know, coconut and all. You know, it's it basically back to the same 
things that are healthy, you know, minimally processed foods, you know, mostly locally grown, organic type of foods. So, it's I suppose it's just back to you know most healthy diets will consist of all these lah, and. Uh, and I think taking some chili peppers. I don't know. I, I like you. You know, I also love chilies. You know? <laughs> so, Good to hear, Doc. So I don't think so. They're going to cause a lot of because chilies do fall under vegetables anyway. Yeah. So they're not mild tasting, but I think what they mean by mild tasting is more healthier foods rather than you know all those processed and chemical based foods. Okay. Okay. Well, there's no mention of pranic foods in Ayurveda, yoga, or any ancient Indian scriptures. There are some similarities in principle. What is Western medicine's view of Ayurvedic diets and medicines? I think most of us are not trained in that uh, Ayurveda. Uh, so if you are trained in Western medicine, basically you are normally not open to other sort of treatments. You know, uh, but for me, I feel that we should be, you know, comp- it should complement. Like, you know, it shouldn't do any harm. And sometimes, and I find that uh, certain diseases, especially things that are like. You know, chronic disease in the you know Western medicine can't actually cure you, and it takes a lot of uh, medications and all that are long term. Sometimes trying alternative, you know, uh, basically what the alternative will do is is put you on the right lifestyle. You know, a lot of diseases actually lifestyle based. So if somebody can put you on a program where you can eat healthier food, do some exercise, reduce your stress, get better sleep, that itself do half the healing in a lot of chronic diseases. You know, so I think there's no harm trying any of these alternative therapies. Especially if they can help you prevent a disease from starting. All right, this article's about body heat and craving reduction. Now, exercising does not just burn calories and build muscle for your body; it even shuts down signals of addictive and unnecessary eating. Yong Huan Zhou, a neuroscientist at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York, set out to research how his regular 45-minute runs always left him craving less food than usual. An interesting bit of his study shows how heat in the body. Makes us stop eating. So, Dr. Rajbans, how is heat in our appetite connected? Yeah, I'm not sure actually how heat and appetite connected, but I know exercise will make you, uh, you know, sort of uh, stop your cravings for food. One of the things is that when you exercise, it actually sort of increases the the hormone leptin that uh, sort of stops you from craving for food. And uh, the same thing, muscle does that. Fat actually gets gives you leptin resistance, just like you get insulin resistance. People who are overweight who got more less muscle, more fat, actually have leptin resistance. That means the brain doesn't uh, get the message that you are already eating too much or you're full. Oh, that's really and, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so it, that's why it's a vicious cycle. When you put on weight, you got more fat. You also tend to eat more uh, before you realize you're full. Whereas people mm. who exercise or more muscle sends different messages to the brain. So not only your insulin levels come down. You also, your leptin also goes up to say that you know you are you don't you don't crave for food anymore. Right. So that's why exercise. The benefits of exercise are so much that people just don't realize. That, you know, apart from all the cardiac benefits and all mm. the aesthetic benefits and everything else, you know, apart from reducing stress and release your good hormones, it also reduces your bad hormones like insulin and increases the good ones. You know, uh, and also increases leptin that makes you less hungry and not crave for food. Right. That's so interesting. I like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So you know, when it comes to Re- you know, reducing food craving stock. Um, are there any medical conditions where the body just stops craving and the person literally loses their appetite and then therefore weight as well drastically? I mean, a lot of these are sort of medical conditions. You know, people who get depressed do that; they just don't eat. People with dementia, a lot of my dementia patients, that happens to them. Ultimately, they just stop feeling hungry just because the brain just atrophies the, the you know the appetite center, just not working anymore. Right. 
so I don't feel hungry anymore. And you know, elderly people actually, I think that happens because they just uh, lose appetite. And that could be for many reasons, lah. Not from you know things from gastritis to medications to just age itself that makes them lose uh, appetite. So, so malnutrition is more common in the older people. So these are some of the things that you have to look out for. Right. Talking about your thyroid, this article says fatigue, thinning hair, irritability, common symptoms that are sometimes the product of lifestyle choices, but can also be signs of underlying health conditions, which could actually indicate that there's a hormone imbalance at play. One common type involves the thyroid gland, an important organ that affects virtually every function of your body. What? Doctor, is a function of the thyroid gland, and what happens when it's not functioning properly? Yeah, I mean the symptoms that you are talking of is basically hypothyroid. It means thyroid is too not working, uh, not releasing enough thyroxine. So basically, thyroid is uh, the thyroxine is a hormone that is used in all our metabolic processes. You know, everything that for our organs to function, from even the heart to digestion to everything, the thyroid gland, the thyroxine plays a role in that. You know, so having a low thyroid gland can actually give you a lot of symptoms. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, heart rate goes down. You become very tired. Of course, you lose hair. You uh, your sleep is disturbed. Uh, you know your voice changes, metabolic uh, metabolism decreases. You put on weight, and uh, severe cases you can go on into heart failure and die. You know, so, so you must uh, diagnose this. And uh, people, you know, with low thyroid also can get depressed. So, if you, low thyroxine has so many different symptoms that, and uh, because of that, sometimes it can be missed because people start thinking that you know other things are causing it. And initially, if your thyroid is just slightly low, so. Feeling tired, having poor sleep, you know, getting a bit irritable. You, know, you could put it off to stress, or you know, just uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, not eating well, not right. sleeping well. So it could be just things like that. So very important that if you are feeling tired and you're not improving, even if you have a good uh, sort of sleep, you must go and get it checked up. The thyroid function very important to be maintained in the normal level, and there's a range. If you go anywhere too high or too low, you can get into problems. So you can be hypo and hyper, which is over yeah. and under, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. This is mm. complete opposite. Yeah. Hypo is exactly opposite symptoms. You know, mm. heart beats very yeah. fast. You sweat a lot. You still get uh, start losing weight. So it's exactly the opposite of hypo. Mm. So, Doc, how do you fix this? Is it a lifelong, you know, trip of medication? Is it something you can, you know, or you have to manage and it's not reversible? Yeah, it depends on what's the cause. Uh, you know, if it's something autoimmune-like, uh, then it's normally lifelong thing that you have to do. Okay, just a, let's say a viral infection that affects the thyroid and you get a transient drop, you know, the thyroid levels and then later they recover. So, it depends on the underlying cause. So, most of the time, it's, uh, you know, the uh, something that's more high. Uh, autoimmune and then you probably will need long time long term medication you know like thyroxine uh, a lot of my patients are on thyroxine and they take it long term they come every few months just to check the level to make sure that they still it in the right range to adjust the medication uh, but it's just a hormone pill you know it's just like another supplement so nothing to really worry as long as you take it, you're quite okay. Okay, this article is about fruits and veg for less stress. In a new study carried out at the Edith Cowan University, researchers have found that consistently including fruits and vegetables in your diet, approximately 470 grams a day, that sounds Ooh, more specific, specific than approximately, yeah. yeah, could contribute to less stress overall. So what's in fruits and veg that actually reduces stress? I don't know how I can say it reduces stress, but what we know is that fruits and vegetables contain a lot of antioxidants, Mm. It contains a lot of uh, anti-inflammatory stuff, right? So inflammation comes down, 
your free radicals comes down. And normally in stress, that's the opposite thing. When you are stressed up, you increase your free radicals, you increase inflammation. When you increase this, you get all the you know problems of aches and pains and headaches and you know joint issues and poor sleep and irritability. All that uh, you know inflammation can aggravate all that. Free radicals aggravate all that. So as a person, you take a lot of fruits and vegetables. All this reduces your free radicals come down, your inflammation comes down, and this probably helps you feel better, so you get less stressed up. So okay, I gotta ask this, but what exactly does 470 grams equate to? <laughs> like, is it like half a piece of fruit, one oh. piece of veg per meal? Like, how do we, you know? Good question. But how do you go to a you know shop and say okay, one hundred seventy grams? And you know what springs to mind here is you know um, what's heavier, a pound of feathers oh, or Lord. a pound of gold? Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I think, I think the thing to follow will be you need four to five portions of fruits and vegetables a day. One portion is your palm size. Okay. Okay. So that's how to measure. That means I want to have total about five portions of fruits and vegetables. Normally, I prefer four portions of vegetables, one fruit, because especially if you want to lose weight, if you are exercising a lot and you, you, you're not overweight, you're well maintained, then three, two. That means three vegetables and two fruits, you know, and one uh, one portion is one palm Plus size. fruit has a lot of sugars mm-hmm. and everything, as you mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. So, that's how easier to measure. So, I say, okay, lunch, I have two portions of vegetables and one fruit. So, that's three. So, dinner, I can have just one portion of vegetable, one fruit, okay. or two portions of vegetables. That's so, easier. Instead of weighing yeah. in 470 grams. And, and you think about the nutrients in, in, in each one. If it's a lightweight thing, you're going to get more nutrients out yeah. of that than the other. So, you know, Doc, they also don't specify what type of fruit and veg. And, you know, is there a difference? Because we're here in Asia, you know, in Malaysia. Yeah. Is there a difference in terms of the specific fruits and veggies we need to eat more of? It doesn't matter what saying. As long as you eat, uh, I think it should be a good variety. Make sure you have a good variety of fruits and vegetables. You know, don't eat the same thing over and over. Of course, all of us prefer certain fruits and certain vegetables, so that's okay. But try to get a variety. And I think just anything, any, as long as they are fruits and vegetables, they are from nature, they are natural, I think they are, you know, it's good to go. Just eat that. Uh, but I think a lot of people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. Most of us eat a lot of refined carbs and right. you know, fats and all that. So make sure that this become a part of your diet and try to go for at least, at least if you can't get five, at least go for three or four portions a day. La.